Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Don't sit down yet. What? What? Uh, Chris, you brought a wonderful present today. Would you and Matthew please bring Quinn up? Oh my goodness, she's so cute. She's trying to take a nap. I don't care. We're going to wake her up. Can I? Is that all right? I'm afraid that I'll drop her. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Oh. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, it is my honor to introduce to you Matthew and Chris. Hi. And their little one, Quinn Bernadine Kirkpatrick. Can I try to do a, a Simba moment? Do you want to do a Simba moment? You, there you go. Mufasa. She is adorable. So, uh, and she sleeps. And she sleeps. Yeah, that's been my question to Matthew when I see him. He's like, are you, are you guys sleeping? He's like, absolutely. <laughs> They've been able to sleep with uh, pretty good regularity, right? And you're doing well. All right. Well, it is, it is an honor just to be with her today and her in here for the first time. This is her first Sunday at church. Yay! So, yes, you can applaud. Golf claps, come on. Seriously. Okay, well, we, I, I'd, like to, I'd like for us to pray over Matthew and Chris and, and Quinn. Is that all right? Man, thank you for, for allowing us to see her today. And, um, Father, we're, we're grateful for moments like this. You know, as a pastor, there are a lot, of, a lot of things that we do, but these are just precious, precious moments that we can introduce a little one. And Lord God, she's got a life ahead of her. And... Uh, Lord, we lift up Matthew and Chris first and foremost, that, that they as husband and wife and best friends with each other, their love for each other deepens and grows over the, the, the years and, and, and the decades to come, that their marriage is, is solid and rooted in Christ. With that, we ask that you use them to nurture and to develop Quinn um, yes, as a young lady and as a young woman, that she may grow up to be productive and make wise decisions. But Lord, will you use them to teach her the ways of the Lord? May Quinn, as well as Dino and, and Ollie, see examples of Jesus Christ in their, in their own home and the ways that they interact with their kids and teach their kids and love their kids and discipline their kids. Father, we ask a special blessing of of favor over Quinn's life that one day that she choose to follow you 
she choose to own faith in you and that she herself shine like the stars in the universe in a dark world that she is a bright light to all those who meet her and have contact with her and that she like her mom and mom and dad speaks life into people Lord we love you Jesus and it's in your name that we ask these things today amen wow wow what a privilege yeah you can applaud one more time <laughs> this is so great thank you guys so much for coming up and I was actually having a conversation in in our DNA class yesterday our membership class and um, you may have the baby but do you have the clicker uh maybe <laughs> no yes a father's brain yeah that's uh, right right now, uh, I was just having a, a conversation in our DNA class yesterday and, and kind of re- retracing our steps as a, as a church and, and uh, that there weren't very many kids here when we started. And that when we hear in service uh, a child or a baby um, cooing or, or crying, it's a welcome sound. It is a very, very welcome sound in this place. Um, we're, we're, we're not stuffy in, in terms of we have to do it this way. We welcome those sounds. And so what a blessing and what a privilege and honor it is. And so as I prayed over her, we, we said last week that um, we want to shine like stars in the universe. As Paul said in his, his letter to the church of Philippi, um, do everything without complaining and, or arguing. I like to skip over that, but you know what? It's truth, right? We've we got to do everything without complaining or arguing. Uh, so that we may become blameless and pure. Um, children of God without, find, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in other words, in a dark world, uh, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Uh, you've been challenged to, to read the word of God over the course of, well, essentially this year. We're going to continue to pursue this, and this month it's from Galatians to Revelation. And uh, you should be somewhere in between. Um, and if you haven't, pick it up uh, Galatians and this 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 uh, verse from from Paul the apostle encourages us you and I to be like stars not scattered but strategically placed to shine bright in the world in a world that truly needs light and truth and uh, so this whole sermon series is about you and me shining like stars in the universe last week we, we learned a little bit about what the secret is to being content, that have that inner satisfaction of our soul. Um, and we found that, that one of the reasons that Paul was, was content, the, the secret that he, he didn't really mention that we had to find between the lines, one of those reasons was our why. And for this purpose, our why is life's purpose and intention. It's meaning and it's mission. That you, as a created being, as a human being, created in the image of God, have a purpose and intention. That your life has meaning and has a mission. And when we find our why, when we, when we find it, when we define it, our why really focuses us. It helps us filter our decisions. It empowers us and enables us to really persevere 
through the troubles and the trials and the sufferings and the pain of life, the, the moments that we are a little bit discontented from life or disappointed with life. And actually it grounds us, or why grounds us when we're kind of on those high moments in life. When we've been on the mountaintop, our why grounds us. It's our, our life's intention and our purpose and our meaning and our mission. See, Jesus did die that you and I might be forgiven of our sins and granted eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But he also died and rose from the dead that you and I have meaning, that we have purpose, that the breath in your lungs and the energy in your body really does have meaning and intention. There are a lot of people, not just teenagers, not just college students, not just young adults who have graduated college and don't know what they want to do with their life. There's a lot of us that flounder because we don't know our why. And we haven't defined it. So today... I'd like us to begin to define our why, your why, and how your why and our why eventually converge. We'll talk about that next week, how our whys work together in the body of Christ. But today, I I want us to just start on the journey a little bit of, of defining our why and finding our why. And I'd like... To, for you to turn to Proverbs. There's several scriptures in Proverbs that are going to be up on the screen, but these kind of have been a guiding force for me, a guiding light um, as I've processed my life and as I've wondered what my life is all about, um, as I really tried to hammer in and hone in on, on my why. Um, so Proverbs 16, 9, 19, 21, 20, and 29, 18. It's going to be up there. And then Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Um, in his heart, in her heart, a man's plans, man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Many are the plans of a man's heart. Many of us have many, many plans in our, in our minds. Mine, I wanted to be married and have a doctorate degree and children by the time I was 30. None of that happened. None of it, right? Many are the plans of a man's heart, but in the, it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 19.21. The purpose of a man's heart are deep waters. You have purpose and intention, meaning and mission, but a man's understanding draws them out. We want to understand our why. Isaiah 30, verse 21 this I, I, I read many, many times with my wife. When I met her, it came to surface and became a very acting and pivotal scripture for me as I walked my life. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. And lastly, it's the same scripture. But each scripture in its version says something a bit deeper. Proverbs 29, 18, the King James Version. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where you have no why, you will perish. 
but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. That's the NIV. And then in the message, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Our why, defining our why, and finding our why, it has an origin. Your why, my why, our why has an origin. And that origin is God. If we go back to Genesis chapter 2, you can go there if you want, but I'm just going to tell the story a little bit. God had created all the world, the universe, and the culmination of creation was humanity. And Genesis chapter 2 gives us this this beautiful artistic picture of God forming man. Out of the dust he formed the man. And then he gave man something of his own. His breath. He breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living being. Solomon in his wisdom recalls this moment when he says that we have eternity in our hearts that happened when God imparted his breath into you and I. And out of that, the story continues to unfold. God took Adam and placed him in the garden to care and cultivate the garden, to to, to tend to it. And while he was in the garden, he saw that Adam had no suitable helper. And so what did he do? He brought animals before Adam. The Lord brought animals where Adam was charged to be creative and name those animals. And he still saw that he had no suitable helper in the animal kingdom. And then the first surgery occurs. Adam goes under, removal of the rib, and he comes out of anesthesia, wipes his eyes, and he sees woman for the first time and we have the first moment of poetry ever recorded this beautiful moment bone of my bone flesh of my flesh I shall call you woman because you came out of man all of that was in context in connection in relationship with God all of that Genesis 3 shows a turn There's a pivot in humanity by choice. And at that moment, Adam stands idly by with his wife in this conversation with a serpent that I don't know about you, but I kind of find that a little weird that a snake is talking to a human being, but apparently it did. And in that moment, of all the trees that they could have eaten from, including the tree of life, they choose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree that the Lord said, please do not eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil, for you will surely die. And then in that moment, we hear the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. This is a sound that was familiar to Adam and Eve. 
And when they hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they hide behind those very trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. They hide. And in doing so, they also hide themselves, for they sowed fig leaves to their bodies. And the Lord God asks a very important question, a question that he already knew the answer to. He tends to do that in Scripture, not for the benefit of himself, but for the benefit of the people he asks the question to. Where are you? Where are you? And here we have a distinct moment that humanity has parted ways with their life purpose and intention, its meaning and its mission, in relationship, in connection with God. God is the origin of our purpose and our intention. Things go awry when we step away from that, when we choose to go differently, essentially when we rebel. If we trace the the annals of Scripture over and over and over, God is the one that instills the purpose and intention, the meaning and the mission. From Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, leave your country and your father's household and your people and go to the land I will show you. And he eventually promises him offspring, descendants as, as numerous as the dust of the earth and as numerous as the stars. Moses, that burning bush moment. God said, I am sending you to Pharaoh to deliver my people. Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach against it, for it is wicked. Peter, James, John, Andrew, on the shores of Galilee, a stone's throw away from each other. Jesus walks and says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Paul, the apostle, that Christian killer turned church planner and discipler. He was told that he would be an instrument, an instrument of the Lord to speak to the Gentiles. That would be you and me because we're not Jewish. If you are, I'd really like to meet you. All of which was in connection with the Lord. He is the origin of your why. Now I think often for many of us, we think our why has to do with our what? What we do. In Arrowwood Elementary, when I was a wee little lad, apparently in Scotland, uh, in Arrowwood Elementary, we had this thing called Career Day, where you would dress up as whatever you wanted to be. So the main question for all of us, when we heard about Career Day, is what do you want to be when you grow up? And so, kids would dress up like nurses and doctors, presidents, firefighters, police officers, you name it, teachers, businessmen and women. I myself, 
I wanted to be a soccer player. So I chose to dress up in the uniform of my most recent soccer team. And then, not knowing the bank that soccer players actually made in fifth grade, I decided to, to uh, dress up in, as a baseball player who's prone to have a lockout. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? And we often think that what we are is what we do, and it's ingrained in our lives very, very early, very young, and it continues through our high school career. For those of you that are junior high and high school students, you will eventually come to graduation and a graduation party and everybody's going to say where are you going to go what do you want to do it's a variation of the same question that we get at career day what do you want to be and out of college where are you going to work what are you going to do what are you going to be This is ingrained throughout our culture and our society. Remember, language creates culture. Language creates culture in an organization, but language creates culture in your mind. And if there's misconceptions in our mind, and we continue to think about those misconceptions and take them in as truth, we mislead ourselves. We are convinced in America, in the Western culture, that our why is what we do. That cannot be further from the truth because if your why is what you do, what happens when what you do is pulled out from underneath of you? Whether you are forced out because you have been aged out or you forced out for some other reason and what you do isn't what you're doing anymore, guess what you have on your hands? You have an identity crisis. You don't know who you are because you've equated who you are with what you do. And many of us have been there. Maybe you're there today. This is why I find it astounding and baffling a little bit when people say, I want a new start. So I'm going to go to a new place. And I'm going to start there. Maybe it'll bring some luck or some blessing or some peace. I'm just going to get up and leave and go. I'm going to pack up. And so they do. They move from where they are to some other place because some other place is greener. And it has something that they think they need. And when they get there, the luster is there. And it's beautiful and things are new, and I've got my fresh start. But then they begin to see the same things continue to happen over and over and over again. Because regardless of the new place and the new start, you're the same old you. Men and women, Friday and Saturday nights, Teenagers, Friday and Saturday nights, throughout the week, they hop from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship, sleeping with this man or this woman over and over and over again, 
thinking that this person is going to be what they need. But the fact is, you're the same old you with the same old patterns. What we need is the grace of God to fill in where God has imprinted eternity on our souls. You are not what you do. Your why is who you are. Now, I never saw any student at Arrowwood Elementary, including myself, dress up for career day as integrity, as character, as honesty, as purity, as joy, as peace. No student ever in the history of career day has ever dressed up as any of those because we put more stock in what we do than who we are. Your why first starts with who, not what, not where. Because I've learned in my own life and I've seen it and observed it in everyone else's life, you take you wherever you go. I take me wherever I go. High school students, you will take you wherever you go. Developing you is the most important thing that you can do in your entire life. Your soul. So I ask you today, what are you doing to develop your soul? to grow and mature who you are as an individual and as a human being. Now, many of you are sitting in here and listening online at church. Congratulations. For some of you, that's a first step. That's a huge step. I will not nullify nor negate that. That's a risk that you took. And I commend you. I congratulate you. And I want you to continue I'm taking that risk on a weekly basis. Take down notes. Write those things down that we, insights that we have, the scriptures that we talk about. Go back over them. But a lot of us, we're here each and every Sunday. Sunday, knowing God is more than Sunday morning. Developing your soul is more than Sunday. We need to raise the bar in our life in developing our soul. So what are you doing to develop your soul? Daily reading scripture? Maybe you're reading scripture on a daily basis, one chapter a day. Maybe you're writing scripture down and you're praying that scripture over your life. Maybe you're reading not only the Bible, but you're reading books that nurture your soul and challenge your mind to push you forward. Maybe... Maybe it's finding a mentor, finding somebody that will mentor you where you are so that you continue to raise the bar in your life. Maybe it's an iron in your life, somebody that can come beside you that's in the same life stage that will sharpen your edge and you can sharpen theirs. Maybe it's stepping into a life group for the first time. 
Maybe it's coming on a Wednesday night and being a part of Digging Deeper. Maybe it's finding another community outside of the church that you can grow in. We invest so much in what we do. And we invest so little in who we are. Your why, its origin, is first with God and with who we are. Those are the two who's of your why. Thank you, Dr. Seuss. Jesus. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 begins with Jesus' entrance into the world under the the shadow of, of a Roman dictatorship. It begins with him entering the world and being in the arms, the comfort of his mother and father. Joseph and Mary in their gaze. But Luke chapter 2 also ends with this frantic search for Jesus. See, they, they go to Jerusalem for Passover and, and mom and dad start hiking back to home with the rest of the, the, the folks that are a part of their hometown of Nazareth. Yet they find into their journey that Jesus is nowhere to be found. And so mom and dad frantically go back to Jerusalem that is still swelled because of Passover. And they find Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus, in the temple, listening to the teachers of the law, asking them key questions. And they were amazed and astonished at his understanding of the scriptures. Who wasn't amazed and in awe of Jesus at that time? His mama. She was a little ticked off. And she said, why have you done this to us, your father and me? What's really insightful is what Jesus says to his mom at 12 years old. Luke chapter 2, verse 49, 50. Why are you searching for me? He said, or he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they, mom and dad, Joseph and Mary did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus understood what he was saying. His mom and pa didn't understand. What did Jesus understand? Jesus understood who he was. He understood himself. Now Todd Bolsinger, prolific writer, said, no one is stronger than the person who knows who and what he or she is. No one is stronger than the person who knows who or what she, who and what she is. Jesus understood at 12 who he was. And he also understood his why. Now, he lays this out for himself. I mentioned this last week. In the book of John, there are these seven statements that actually seem to become this lampstand or menorah of his life. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. 
These are I am statements that begin to surface in chapter 6 and go all the way through chapter 15 in John. These are statements that he's ingrained within himself. This is how he understood himself. Not only does it show him or reflect who he is, but it also reflects his why. And it converges on his what. Right? Remember, your why is not your what, nor is it your where. It's who you are, beginning with God. But it's really interesting that who and your why converge on your what, what you do with your who and your life. And we see that Jesus is the bread of life, the good shepherd, the, the true vine, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. All these statements, he's ingrained them within himself. And they have lighted his way. Helped him stay focused on who and what he is to do. For you and me, for us, we must learn to take this lesson from Jesus. Why? Well, let me ask you a question. Who talks to you the most in your life? Now, many of you, if you've been around here any length of time, or if you've been around the church any length of time, you'll probably say, God. And I would agree with you. Who's the person that speaks to you second most in your entire life? You do. It's not social media. It's not the news. It's not the music that you listen to. It's you. Remember, you take you wherever you go. You can't get away from yourself. I've tried. I can't. You talk to you more than anyone else in the world, aside from the Lord. And guess what? The one that can deceive you the most is yourself. is yourself don't chalk that up on Satan you can deceive you more than anyone in your life because you talk to yourself the most you're in your head the most these I am statements that, that Jesus states it removes the self deceptions in his life See, self-deceptions in our life, what they tend to do is they create unwise behaviors. And unwise behaviors reinforce the self-deceptions. And it's this cycle that happens in our life. You and me, we got to remove the self-deceptions. define ourselves from the eyes and the focus of God from who he created us as so for probably a few years I myself have been trying to develop my own I am statements things that I want to see happen in my life where I know I'm a little weak on or maybe a lot weak on, 
but other things that I want God to do through me in my own life. It comes out of my story. My story is I was a people pleaser because I always wanted to belong. I wanted to belong to whomever I could belong to. And as a people pleaser, I began to belong in ways that were not healthy, not well. And I allowed people to walk all over me. Then I met Jesus. And I slowly realized that I'm not to please people, but I'm to please God. That's my purpose. So I am a God pleaser, pleasing God with all I do, knowing pleasing God may not please people. For years, I had issues with self-discipline and diligence and focus. And so what I wanted to be was a completer. I wanted to be a finisher. I'm going to declare that I'm a finisher, faithful and diligent to completion. When I walk into a room and I have people in distress and chaos, what do they need most in their life? They need, they need peace in their life. Straight out of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers. So I'm a peacemaker, a man of peace, no matter the place or the circumstance. As a pastor, I lead. I'm a leader. I don't like to take that on myself, but I am. So as a leader, I am a lead follower who leads first by following the Lord, then leading people. I'm a world changer, influencing my world one person at a time. Folks, these focus my life. These define my life. These come out of the word of God, from God, and God uses them in my life. Now, again, I am not the poster child. Please don't put me on that. And if you do, give me some darts because I want to throw it at it, okay? These are things that I want God to develop in me. So your challenge, your challenge is to follow suit, not with me, but with the Lord. And write your I am's. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And as you begin to write your I am's, you'll suddenly realize your why. You will start to see it more clearly than you ever have before. So this is your challenge. Your challenge is to write your I am's, however many statements they may be. But it's not just to write them. It's not just to pen them, to work them out in your life, but to absorb them into your being, into who you are. 
I find scriptures for all of my who I am statements for myself. Because I don't want my who to be separate from the origin of my why, God. And as I looked at my I am's, I found a few things that are always of my why. These three things. Your why is always to glorify God. No matter who you are and what you do wherever you are, your why is always to glorify God. And your why is always to be rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins, rose from the dead, went to the right hand of the Father and is coming back again. We are rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your why must always be rooted in the gospel. And your why must always seek to advance the kingdom of God. See, these aren't a personal purpose. These are a heavenly purpose. Remember, the origin of our why is God because the creator of our soul is the Lord. He's the one that instilled it in us. The I am who I am put himself in you. Why would he not define you? And why would we allow ourselves to define ourselves separate from God when he's the creator of your soul? the origin of your why, your purpose, your intention, your meaning, and your mission. So whether you're a teenager, a junior higher, whether you're a senior, and you think your days are almost to its final days, this is a challenge for all of us. Because while we're all here, while we all have breath in our lungs, we are purposed and intended for much greater things than the earth has the world has so last week I asked what's your why this week challenging you to to define it and to find it not separate from the Lord but with the Lord and next week when we come back together when we come back together we're going to learn how our whys work together in the body of Christ. Would you mind standing for a brief moment? If you should happen to write your I am statement um, or I am statements, uh, I'm curious what they are. Do you mind just sharing it with me? You don't have to explain anything. Just send me your statement. I'm curious. Teenagers, I challenge you to do this. You have more life in front of us, in front of you, than many of us in this room. This will keep you focused in your life. It will empower you, challenge you. That's right, Logan. That's right. Love it. Heavenly Father, you're good. And I thank you that you've put your image into us, that you've put eternity into our hearts.
And Lord, I'm grateful that you died for our sins. And I'm grateful that you give us meaning. That no matter what stage of life that we're in, whether we're single or we're married with kids or whether we are a kid, whether we're widowed, whether we're in our 80s, it doesn't matter. You still have given us purpose and intention, meaning and mission. All who come to your table are welcomed and then unleashed to do a great work of the Lord God, to advance the kingdom, to share the gospel. God, help us be people who know who we are and what we are and quite frankly, whose we are. May we take up this challenge to focus our minds and focus our hearts and then ultimately our life that we may not be deceived by anyone or anything, even ourself. I love you, Jesus, and I, I thank you so much for these people here today and listening online. I ask that your, your Holy Spirit empower and enable. They experience your love in a very real and tangible way. That they commune with you throughout the week that the word of God that they're reading illuminates their heart and you. And that as they go this week that they are salt and light and yeast. Help us shine like stars in the universe. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Folks, we love you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Will you please, please love your neighbor as yourself? We'll see you soon, okay? Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you were moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.